Hello, welcome back to another episode of Serious Talk. This time, we will be focusing on mental health problems, specifically to teenagers in Taiwan. For listeners who are more sensitive to this topic, please click away. Also, please note that we aren't professionals, so take our words with a grain of salt. Other than that, let's begin. My lovely guest today is Natalie Tai. Hi, Nat. Hi. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Natalie. Um, I'm Iris's schoolmate, I would say, and I run a blog called The Societies. Um, mainly, it's uh, on the internet, not necessarily on social media. I write articles about social issues. A lot of them focus on mental health as well, and quite a lot of subtopics under the umbrella of mental health. Yeah. yeah, we will definitely talk more about your website. But first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So before we get into our main discussion, I want to provide some data for you all to ponder about. Mental health issues are gaining more attention in society throughout the years. The desire for therapists and medications are increasing a lot. In Taiwan specifically, according to the TAAD, which is the Taiwan Association Against Depression, states that at least 13% of high schoolers are dealing with depression that makes one out of seven people. Another horrifying fact is that roughly 21% of middle schoolers and 19% high schoolers have had suicidal thoughts. We don't often see this in the news, but in the year 2019, there's 257 teenagers from age 15 to 24 who died due to suicide. When I was researching this data, I was in shock because you don't see these often in the news, and that is a problem that we will discuss later on in the podcast. But let's jump back a bit. Natalie, why do you think mental health issues are becoming so common? I would say it isn't necessarily completely just becoming more common. I think a lot of what we hear is coming from a place where, you know, we're getting more data, we're getting more research, and people are making less of a big deal or a taboo out of the topic. I feel like statistics are increasing because people are talking more about it and we know more about it today. But I do think that a part of it also is, you know, competition in the world. I would say, especially among teenagers, there are a lot of subtopics and a lot of catalysts that really push people into mental health issues, not necessarily depression, but also things like anxiety and other mental health issues. So yeah. Totally. And besides the fact that academic pressure is becoming more intense throughout the years, I feel like social media also plays a huge role in uh, increasing mental health issues. Unlike you, who actually use social media as a platform to kind of spread awareness and help people. There is a lot of creators who actually stand as a bad influence to viewers. Yeah, I definitely think social media highlights a lot of the competition and comparisons between people. And it also spirals into a lot of different issues like body image, insecurities, and other things like that. For the most part, I don't enjoy being on social media. And I feel like a lot of 
my personal mental health issues stems from that. So I try to keep that under control. But of course, like having a website and having an audience, I don't really have that much of a choice of whether I want to use social media or not. For me, I set a 15 minute time limit a day on my social media apps, though it's kind of impossible to not press the ignore button during the weekends. I use social media as an escape from all the academic pressures, and I believe a lot of people do the same. And yes, I do believe it has ne- influenced me negatively in terms of body image and how much time it steals from me. Okay, so let's focus a little bit on Taiwan. So Taiwan being a more, you know, traditional conservative country, yes, a probably, uh, I don't know, more liberal, let's say the United States. What is the difference in how Taiwan tackles the problem vs. U.S.? Um, I don't really think that the difference lies in, you know, the overall statistics of mental health issues. There are multiple reasons to depression, like, you know, when you're a teenager, you start to experiment with romance, body image, sexuality, your gender, how others perceive you, bullying even. And I feel like a lot of these overlap in both Taiwan and the United States. So I would say that, you know, the causes are about the same. And I feel like it's as common in both countries. Mm-hmm. The reason I brought this up is because, well, from what I see, in Taiwan, if you tell people, oh, I have mental health issues, I'm going to therapy, you leave a bad impression. But it doesn't seem the case in the U.S. In the U.S., I hear that people go to like counselors just freely and often. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard like, people from the U.S. or more Western countries, like they have family therapists and therapy is kind of like a very normalized thing. I do think in Taiwan, there's a matter of tradition and, you know, parents tend to be a little bit more like, like tradition matters so much to an extent where they're really scared if other family members find out if my child has depression, things like that. Taiwan is getting better, I would say. I mean, of course, the academic rigor and things like that still is a big hurdle. But I feel like, you know, as the youth population especially starts to notice more of things like this, for example, now you're starting a podcast about it. I feel like um, I feel like with the power of, you know, youth and people that relate, I think it holds a lot of power. And now comes the question, why aren't current solutions working? We have like all of these organizations such as the TAAD I talked about, the Taiwan Suicide Prevention Committee, and also school counselors. I feel like the causes are exacerbating and people aren't reaching up for help. And that's why the statistics are increasing. I feel like there are a lot of solutions in place, But I feel like although there are a lot of solutions, a lot of people, it's still really scary to take your first step. It's still like even if you know all of these lists of resources available for you, it's still hard to take that one step. 
So around three years ago, I heard a statement that was so beautiful that I remember to this day. So the statement goes, if you meet someone with depression, you can't tell them to like, come here, come where you are and stop being sad. Instead, you have to kind of walk down there to wherever they are and walk beside them and guide them to where you were. And I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions on not just mental health issues, but also the cure and how to help people struggling with it. As in, you really need to be able to take care of yourself too before you take care of other people. Like people shouldn't be putting themselves, well, I shouldn't say shouldn't, that is a very extreme word, but it gets very hard when you put yourself in a position where you want to help, but you aren't sure if you yourself are able to handle it because it gets hard. It's very hard to, you know, take on the emotion of another person and empathize with them. Because when you're already in a situation where you need help and it really, um, and when it gets to a point where you feel like you have to cut ties with the person you're helping, it's you and them possibly getting hurt. So I think it's really a balance and it's very hard to find that balance between, you know, taking care of others and taking care of yourself. But my advice would be, you know, to help if you can, not necessarily like give practical advice or whatever, just you know, be there emotionally. Um, and sometimes not saying anything is just as powerful as saying something. But if you feel like you don't have the mental or emotional capacity to help per se, um, I think asking them if they're open to other people's assistance or other resources, I think that's just as powerful because, you know, if you end up getting, you know, pulled into their emotions, two people are getting hurt. And ultimately it's harder to heal, but you know, it's not inevitable and it's not insolvable. It's just very, very hard. And I can't, I'm not really in a position to tell anybody how it should be, what they should do, but I would say that. The hardest part for me is how your friends or people close to you struggling with mental health issues, they don't say anything. And before you know it, they are probably hurting themselves. And they're going through this horrible time, but you're just oblivious to the fact. I think it's definitely very hard for a friend that is in a position where they don't, they don't think they're able to help someone because it's just this feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. But I think the people that are assisting others also need to know that it's not your fault that they're feeling that way. And it's not your fault that you're not able to help other people because this issue is so complex and so nuanced that even going to therapy sometimes doesn't help. Antidepressants sometimes doesn't help. It isn't absolute that your condition will, you know, magically disappear. It takes a lot of time and so much courage. It's, it is normal for, you know, a person not to be able to cure another person's depression because it's not as easy as, you know, just talking them out of it. It's definitely very, very tough. And that's why I feel like letting them know that other than you, there are other resources. I think that's very 
impactful, you know, because if one day you are not there anymore for them, um, they know that they have other people to jump to. And I think that is helpful for both you and the person you're helping with. So, yeah. This will be the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two.